Good morning, Calvary family, and thanks for tuning into Calvary Online. It's going to be a good morning together as we open up, open up God's Word. Our series is Hope for Hard Times, and what a timely series being offered to the church today. Our message today is one that will quicken your hearts. When was the last time you heard that word quickened? It means to revive or bring back to life. COVID has us all separated and planning out our next 18 snacks I think my screen time over the last 10 weeks is up 500%, and I just want to be honest with you right now, I miss you, because what we're doing is not real church. It's a substitute for the real thing, and we want the real thing. We want to be back together. I miss seeing you in the foyer. I miss worshiping with you. I miss worshiping with the body and serving. I miss coming together. And this is a season that, that causes or has some potential danger a season of separation can really do a number on our hearts and on our minds and our faith. So we need a message that will cause us to hope. We need a, a season like this uh, that, will, that will shift our, our, our lives from hopelessness to hopefulness. So we need a message this morning from God's word that will revive us, that will shock us, that will bring us back to life, that will align our minds and our hearts and our hands to the things of God. And that's what hope does for us. It quickens, it revives, it gives back purpose to us. It sets our hearts back on course. If we were to go grab God's word and turn to Psalm 2511 in the King James Version, it says, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. The NIV Version says, for your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life. And in the Nasbit, N-A-S-B, the verse says, for the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In this, tech, in this context, quickening involves revival and preservation of life. Preservation of life. And God, through it all, gets the glory. And what can happen in a season of separation is we can allow our minds to wander and our hearts to be set on things that are not of God and our hands will follow. And soon enough, we begin to question God. So this morning, we need to turn to God's word and turn to hope. And who better than the author of the book of 1st of and 2nd Peter to, to share about what hard times looks like in hard seasons? Who better to get our hearts started this morning than a man who knew hard times, the author who was brought along by the Spirit, penned these words because he knew what hardship looked like. See, Peter betrayed his savior and in his life he carried around for a season that guilt. He understood what it was like to let someone down that you care deeply about. He made mistakes as a follower of Christ. He violently assaulted a man with a sword and when Jesus, uh, when he was in the garden, went up to Peter and asked him to pray, to stand and keep watch, what does he do? He fell asleep. When questioned about his relationship with Jesus, he denied him and then swore at a slave girl and ran away. And instead of gathering the guys in hard times and rallying the troops and, and putting forth what he, he learned from Jesus, he did the opposite. He went fishing. He went back to his old life and found nothing there for him. He returned to these old cisterns and, and found nothing available for him anymore. If we look at the, the, the Gospels and we look at Acts, we can see that Peter was rebuked by his ministry partner, Paul, pretty much called a hypocrite in front of both the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus called him Satan. He was put in jail and beaten for preaching. 
Peter knew what it was like to be separated from the believers that he loved. Peter knew what it was like to watch people he loved die. And he knew about hard times. And we, as we pick up in his letter to the elect, to the ones who are scattered, he gives hope. He brings a message of hope for us in hard times. We will read about what hope can do to us in hard times. We will learn about how hope can revive your mind and quicken your heart and restore your faith and unite the church. Causing love to overflow onto your family, your church family, and even your enemies. Hope for hard times. Let's press in this morning, get our text ready, and ask God to bless this time. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, as we gather in the precious name of your amazing son, our Bibles and our lives lay open before you. And I pray that you would reveal your truth to us in such a way that the lies we tell ourselves are exposed. The pain we manage is healed and the hopelessness that has gripped the church because of hard times is restored, is restored with zeal and great compassion and blessed action. Lord, you did it for Peter and you can do it for us. And I say this not to remind you, but to remind us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have seen what you can do to hearts that are ready to give up, ready to give in, and ready to walk out. So God, this morning, I pray that you would quicken our hearts. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning we will be in 1 Peter and looking at the text of 1 Peter 1.13 to chapter 2, verse 3. And you will need to, to get your Bibles out and maybe get, grab something to write with because we are going to expose the truth this morning. So let's begin by reading, starting at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to one, each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the, the time of your exile, knowing that you were ran ransomed from the futile ways in inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual, pure, pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
This is the word of God. May he add a blessing to the reading of it this morning. Four points for us to consider from our text to help us in hard times. One, set your hope fully by having an alert mind and ruled over emotions. Two, set your hope fully by mastering your hearts, mastering your heart and desires. Three, set your hope fully by keeping faith and focus on Christ. And why should we do all this? So that we can live as called out believers, full of hope in a darkened world, united in faith. Let's begin. Set your hope fully by having an alert mind and ruled over emotions. We start, Peter picks us up in verse 13, or we start our verse in verse 13 with this word, therefore. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, this verse sets us up this morning. So if I, if I had my Bibles in, if I had my Bible and you can see it here, it is all underlined and circled. I would say you would start with this. I would say, highlight the word, set your hope. I would say, circle the word, therefore. I would ask you to underline the participles, prepare and being as we get this set up because we are gonna start with the first command or the imperative, set your hope. Peter wants us to know and understand as believers in the hard times, we need to know where our hope lies and we need to set our hope up fully. But the first question is, what are we supposed to hope in? What is Peter asking the elect to set their hope in? What are we to hope in fully? Well, that question is answered by the therefore. And anytime we look at scripture and we see that there is a therefore, it means that we need to go back. We need to look back at what the author has already said. Usually a therefore connects us back to a previous chapter or a statement or idea. And that's exactly what Peter is doing for us. He wants us to set up our hope fully by remembering something that he already told us. So we need to go back one page to 1 Peter 1, 3, 4, 5, 3, 2, 5. The reasons why we need to set up our hope. It says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. I would underline that. He has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope, another underline. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through its tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, set your hope as believers called out ones, called out of darkness into marvelous light, those who hold salvation, we need to be remembering about his great mercy. We need to be remembering about his living hope and the resurrection that we have been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it's easy to forget those things when we are struggling, when we have trials and there is temptations all around. We are to set our hope fully because we have been born again to a living hope. We have an inheritance waiting for us that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that is kept for us in heaven. So Peter wants, to, wants the, the believers, the elect, to know and understand why they need to fully set their hope on the grace that will be revealed, even through the trials and temptations that come. We will have trials, pain, and hurt, 
And Peter has set it up to say that that is good for us to go through these things because it's the testing of our faith so that we can trust fully in God. So don't despise hard moments. Don't despise hard times. But press into those hard times seeking God with fullness of heart. It is good for us. Don't let it shake you or rock you. In a season like this, we need to set our hope fully even though those trials will come. We, we have to let it not shake us or rock us or cause us to stumble or fall away. We are to set our hope fully in Jesus Christ. Church, Peter uses this key word, therefore, to help us understand why we need to follow the commands of setting our hope fully. Peter could have gone straight from the therefore to set your hope fully, but he gives two important participles for the church preparing and being. He says, prepare your minds for action. And he says, being sober-minded. He says, for us who need to set our hope fully, we need to get our minds ready. Peter is saying, set your hope, but, but before you set your hope, you got to make sure that your mind is ready. This is actually a phrase like, guard, it actually means guard, gird your loins. It's a picture of tucking your outer, outer garment into your belt so that you're ready to, ready to run, you're ready to move, you're ready to act. Being ready to move and take action. Our minds need to be on point. It's get your head into the game, church. Get prepared because God wants us to do some things. For readers today, it would be like me saying, get your shoes on, roll up your sleeves, get ready for action, church. We are being called up to bat. Peter's not only saying get ready, but he's saying that we need to have a sober mind, a comparison to being intoxicated, slow to thinking, slow reaction time, hindered, affected, not able to process, not able to understand, not being able to function at our full capacity. He says that is not what the believer is called to be like. We are called to be the opposite of that, to be sober-minded, to be sharp and ready. The mind needs to be ready, focused for when hard times come, and they will come. If our minds are not ready, it will hinder us from thinking clearly. We are forgetful, and we, are, and we will be tempted to hope less and trust less uh, in God and trust more in our own abilities. And that's what can happen when we're separated at this time. We can allow certain patterns and certain temptations to creep into our lives. And before you know it, we set up new patterns and we're not trusting in God. Peter wants the church to know and understand that that's not what we as believers are called to do. We are to set our hope fully by having alert minds and ruled over emotions. He says, get your minds ready for action. When the mind is sharp, focused, and filled on the things of God, hope begins to well up. When things start to happen, you read about certain things or things are happening in your community or stuff are happening in your family, you're not, you're not rocked. You're not tossed around like a wave in an ocean. You're settled. You're anchored in the faith. You're anchored in the truth because the mind is sharp and filled with the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the scripture of God for the believer. So church, in this season, we need to fix our eyes and our hearts on the author and perfecter of our faith and make sure that we are helping each other, holding each other accountable so that we will not stray. I remember a Pharisee asked Jesus, what's the two greatest commandments? And Jesus responded, to love God with all of your heart, your mind, soul, and your strength, and love those who are near to you. In the Old Testament, I remember being in Bible college, we would go for a whole semester, we would learn the, the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. 
It was this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give to you today, let them be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you, are, you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We need to take that approach for, to our families even now in this time. That when we're sitting around or we're walking on the road or we're going for a bike ride with our family, we need to be talking about the love of God. We need to be preparing our minds and our hearts and putting all of our strength into what God would have for the church because we are in a hard time. But that doesn't mean we have to run away from the things of God. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind so that you can love well and be on guard against dissension and gossip and slander and anything else that would come and try to divide the church or divide the gathering of the church or the divide the bringing back of the church. Because this is not what we're called to do. I'm, I'm preaching to an empty room. We are called to be together. We have gifts exer to exercise our gifts, to join together and, and, and participate in the sacraments that, and the ordinances that God has given to the church. We can't do that like this. We are scattered and separated and our minds are in danger of wandering from the things of God. So we need this message from Peter to bring us back. Church, you need to remember that the finishing move of Satan is to cause you to doubt the word of God. If he can get you to question God's word, he will have a foothold in your life. Before long, the desires of your heart will shift. Just look at Adam and Eve. A perfect relationship marred by selfish desires and personal gain. So the warning for us today is guard your minds, get your minds ready, and don't let Satan get a foothold in your mind or allow him to govern your emotions. Whatever emotion you're ex experiencing, bring it to the word of God and let the word of God guide you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not let him have a, a foothold in your mind. Allow, do not allow him to govern your emotions. If that happens, you will turn on God and you will come against your brothers and sisters. You'll be less forgiving and more judgment will come. See, there is a connection between the mind and the heart and the action. We talk about that all the time when it comes to discipleship. We talk about that uh, we, we renew our minds and move our hearts and then our hands act in accordance. There is this connection between the three of, of our heart, mind, and action and our faith. And a warped mindset can cause you to lash out and hurt those who are called to love you, including God. We can get mad at God and blame God for certain things. Those trying to help you seem like the enemy. We hate on and falsely accuse. We slander and use phrases like, you're judging me. When the reality is honest and true conversations that lead to confession and repentance. Confession means to, to acknowledge the wrong that you have done and repentance means to change your mind. To turn the opposite way and go into a different direction, renewing your mind. So we need to have confession and repentance and renewed minds. And we need to love one another with a love that is manifested by the word of God. Let the word of God richly lavish over you, take deep root into your heart and let it grow up so that you can grow up as well. To hope in hard times means to revive your mind and emotions, being alert and fully set on the hope that is to come in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's saying uh, first, he's saying firsthand 
as a leader for God, walking with God, don't make my mistake. When hard times come, don't go back. Don't go backwards. He says, I, I, I believe if I was talking to Peter, he would, he would caution us. He would say, I went back. I went back to, to an empty cistern. Like he went back fishing when he was supposed to be leading. It's a lesson for us in the church to not let our emotions cloud the truth about the church and those who are called to love and support. So we need to get ready and be holy for we want to be like Christ, that is our goal. So set your hope fully by mastering your emotions and your mind. The second thing is to set your hope fully by mastering your heart and desires. Peter calls for holiness. We as the church are called to a holy lifestyle. He goes on and says in the scriptures, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, your conduct in public and in private. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Speaking about God, speaking about Jesus. Peter addresses the church in the context of family. He says, children in the family of God are obedient. It's just the, it's, it's just the way we live. If you're a part of God's family, if you've been adopted in, we obey. Peter reminds the church of their adoption in Christ. He's writing to the elect. He says to the elect that we are not enemies of God. We are not left on our own. Even though you may feel isolated, you are not alone. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have been justified, deemed not guilty. We've been adopted, brought in, and grafted into the family of God and regenerated, given new minds and new hearts to be able to understand the, the word of God and to be able to walk in holiness. Because of our sanctification and because of our salvation, we are able to walk in holiness and strive after holiness to work on our sanctification to be conformed to the image of Christ. So Peter says, because you've been gifted and you've been given everything in Christ, he says, be holy. He says, be holy in all your conduct because Christ is holy and not to give an excuse. We're full of excuses. We are. But one of the things that Peter is reminding us from the word of God is because of our salvation, we have everything we need to walk in lightness of God. We are called to be holy and we can walk in holiness. So being in the family of God means something. It means being a child means the former life is not an option for you to go back to. We need to renew our minds and settle this in our hearts that what you've been called out of is cut off. And sometimes we want to keep that around just in case, just in case we're lonely or just in case we, we want to satisfy a craving, we'll jump back into these areas. That old life has been cut from us and you need to process that through your mind, through your heart, so your hands and your body act in accordance. We are not to go back to that living, that lifestyle no more. You need to disciple your mind and your heart so you don't and you need to protect your family so they don't. We do not get to go back to those passions. We do not let, ha, have to let them control us anymore. Do not let those old ways of life, the things that you were brought out of, master you again. Don't go back. Peter went back. He went back to the old life. I keep coming back to this because it's an important moment of discipleship. When, when Jesus died and, and, and he was buried, Peter was supposed to lead 
He was supposed to lead the guys and what does he do? He goes fishing and he couldn't even fish. He's a seasoned fisherman and he couldn't even call, haul in fish. And what happens? Jesus shows up. He shows up on the beach and has a conversation. See, we don't get to go back. And if we do go, get to go back, please be aware that the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the leaders of the church will be there to call you to account. Just like Jesus did to Peter. He said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? If you do, feed my sheep. He said it three times and Peter with a, a, a broken and contrite heart says to Jesus, I love you. And he says, well, step up. Time to get ready, time to lead. And that, and that same message is for us here today. Even though we are isolated, even though we are separated, we need to make sure that our hearts are protected. We need to walk and conduct ourselves in a certain way so that nothing is dividing the church, so that we're growing in this season. Even though it's hard, it's a testing of our faith. And that testing will prove that we have a genuine faith, that we, have, that we are true and trusting God fully, that we have faith of, of, of God being with us now and God coming later. Don't go back. That's the hard part of, of the heart and desires. See, we, we like comfort and we like pleasure and, and pain-free and sometimes because uh, being a Christian is hard, we compromise and what do we do? We take a little break. We lie to ourselves and say, I'm, I still believe, but I just at this moment don't want to obey. See, Peter is reminding the church that we are called to pursue Christ. See, COVID has us separated and trying to figure out a plan. And it's time for us to guard our minds and guard our hearts and guard our families and guard our faith because they are in jeopardy. What does that look like for the home? It means husbands, guard your marriage and train your children. Wives, join in and take action to protect. Take time to pray and remind and care and train your family. Remind yourself that this, is, this season is not the church but you can prepare at this moment to when we get back. So when we get back together, we are growing and we have grown through the season of hardship. So set your hope fully by mastering your hearts and desires. The third thing that we see from our text is set your hope fully by keeping faith and focus on Christ. Verse 17, and if you called on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct Important word, yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, very important statement, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. If he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Key words in this, in this scripture, two key words, conduct and ransom. Peter is going from mind, heart to hands, to action, to faith, to the way we conduct ourselves, the way we live our lives in hard times, setting our hope fully. We need to get our minds ready. We need to strive for holiness because it's time for the church to, to shine. We need to be shining at this moment. The church is to live by faith and set their hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed in Jesus Christ. Our conduct must point to the faith we have. People need to know that we are different, that we are called out of darkness into marvelous light, that we are conducting ourselves in a certain way. And that way is to bring hope to the hopeless 
and make famous the name of Jesus, to bring glory and honor to him in everything that we do. We know that, uh, we know that this place is, is not our home. This, this world is not our home. We are only passing through, but God has prepared a better place for us where our inheritance is lying, where our citizenship is being kept. So we are here now, but we're not of this world. So we need to conduct ourselves in a, such a manner that shows that we have faith in the real God. Just like God chose the nation of Israel to show all of the other nations that there is a God in heaven, we as Christ ambassadors do the same. So our conduct needs to match our faith in what we believe. So that's the first key word. The second key word that we, we have is ransom. Church, we need to have, we have been freed from the bondage of sin by the payment of a price. And the price of redemption is the blood of Christ. We've been bought with this precious blood of our murdered savior, not to run back to what we've been rescued from. Someone testify with me right now that I am free. Type it out. Type it out in the comment section that because of the blood of Christ, I am free. I am free not to run back to that old lifestyle. Tell someone in your family you are free because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've been ransomed, ransomed. You've been bought back. Tell your family, tell someone, I am free to live the righteous life with joy and peace and grace, even in hard times. Church, remember what God has done. He is the one that turns mourning into dancing. He gives beauty for ashes and turns shame into glory. He is the only one who cares with this much intensity, this much grace, this much love, this much mercy. He revives the heart the mind, the soul, and the church. And Peter is preaching to set your hope fully, having an alert mind and ruled over emotions. He's saying, set your hope fully by mastering your heart and desires. He's saying, church, come on, come together and set your hope fully by keeping the faith and focusing on Christ. Why? Why do we need to set our hope fully on these things? Why do we have to keep our mind and our hearts and our faith active so that we can live as called out believers full of hope in a darkened world, displaying the love of God in the church, displaying our unity and care for one another to the whole world. We need to set our hope on the, on the grace that is to be revealed. We need to get our minds straight. We need to get our hearts in place and we need to have our faith active because God is using the church to testify to his great grace. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and binding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all the deceit and all hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it that you may grow up into your salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, Peter takes a moment and I th this is the moment for us. Peter reminds the, the elect that their new life is in Christ and their obedience to the spirit of God produces a love that is sincere for the brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Peter's rich theology reminds them of their regeneration, reminds us of our new life in Christ, that this new life has taken place, that the old is gone and the new has arrived, but within this new life of luxury in Christ, we are still tempted to lust after the things of flesh. We are still tempted to gossip and slander our brothers and sisters in Christ. We still are tempted to allow divisions and unnecessary arguments to take place and grievances to tear us apart. Peter reminds the believers, and I remind you of the hope that we have in Christ, that the word of God that was preached to you, that the word that you believed has united us together. And it is our responsibility to guard that as the church, as leaders, as brothers and sisters, guard that love that God has given us, this sincere love that we have for each other. So that means that we need to put away a few things, church. So Christians, we need to put away malice, the desire to do evil. We need to put away deceit, the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. We need to put that away. We need to put envy away, a feeling of disconnectment, contentment or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions or qualities or actions. We need to stop slandering the action of crime, the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging someone's reputation. That is, that it has no place in the church for these are things that are not to be found in the church of God and the leaders appointed by God to watch over your souls are tasked to make sure that these things are not existing within our body and destroying our fellowship. So don't be surprised, I give warning, if the spirit or the leaders of your church bring correction to you if this is found in your life. Remember, it is for our good and we allow the spirit to convict us and we respond in obedience to the word of God. So do not do these evil practices, but what we need to do, Christians, what we need to do, church, this is what we need to add to our life. Pure spiritual milk. We need to crave the things of God. We need to seek after holiness, renewing our minds, making sure that our hearts are set in the right place, making sure our faith is active so that we can so we can display to the whole world that we love a god we've been redeemed by a god who loves us he has made us his ambassadors and when you see us you should see the father and that should be done by the way we conduct ourselves the way we love each other and the way we resolve things within the church and with things outside of the church god has called us to right action god has called us to guard our loins to get ready to get ready for the things that he has in store for us. And that means that we need to long for this, this spiritual milk, we need to look for it, we need to make necessary changes so that we are seeing this growth in our life. Church, we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we do that by setting fully our hope and having an alert mind and ruled over emotions, by mastering our hearts and desires, by keeping the faith and our focus. Because, oh, church, listen. God is gonna use you. God is gonna use you. He's gonna use your life. He's gonna use the giftings of the Spirit in the church when we get back together. So practice, practice holiness. Get your minds right. Get your hearts set. Get your faith loaded. Because God is bringing revival. And lots of people are saying he's not. But I believe that he is. 
because those of us who are scattered right now, we know this is not church, but this is an important time for us to prepare. And we will not let nothing divide the church. We will stand and give our lives for what God has given his life for. We love God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and action, and, and heart, and, and we're called to action. So let's do that. Let us confess our sin and turn from what has defiled, turn from what, what can defile. Turn to, to Christ and, and, and not go back to old cisterns and old cravings. And most of all, church, let's have each other's backs. Let's pray for each other and encourage each other. Let's sharpen each other in the faith. Let's testify to the word of God. Let people know that you've been saved and redeemed and your life is new in Christ and you are growing. You are a growing Christian because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your word this morning for us. And God, we know that your word never goes out void. And I, I believe fully in my heart, God, that people who have ears to hear have been hearing this and have been tempted to go back to old lifestyles or maybe have been dabbling in, in things that cause them to stray from you. And God, I pray for them right now. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would convict hearts, that confession would flow and repentance would happen, which would be a changing of the mind. And God, that you would freely give grace and forgiveness to my brothers and sisters and even on my own life, God, in areas that I fall short of your glory. God, you have called us to be holy. You have called us to make sure that our, our minds are set and ready to move. God, you have asked us to guard our hearts and to be active with our faith. And God, we pray that you would have that happen in the households that are represented this day. God, we pray that you would bring us back together and I pray that you would bring us back together quickly. God, not months and months, weeks, God. I pray within weeks that we are gathering in the precious name of Jesus, worshiping and testifying to the truth and presenting our truth to you and to each other. God, we love you so very much. We know you're doing great things. We thank you for our church. Thank you for protecting Calvary. Thank you for protecting its members. And thank you for all that you're doing. We pray that you, even today, would bring salvation to the hearts of those who may not know you and who are listening. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.